Blog Talk Radio. WWE. 
So the killer bees, uh, B. Brian Blair, a lot of the, uh, in AWA you spent a lot of your time tagging with uh, Greg Garnier's the High Flyers, um, but Brian Blair as uh, the, the formation of the killer bees in the WWE. Now, how did that come about? Well, you tell me. Uh, <laughs> actually, you know, this was at the time in 1985 when, uh, you know, Vince was acquiring all the talent from all the different territories. Mm-hmm. And Brian had come from Florida, and I'd come from uh, Minneapolis, AWA. And um, for some reason or other, somebody suggested that, you know, uh, we form a, a team. And because. Uh, uh, Blair and Brunzel were bees, and at that time the Miami Dolphins had a defense, and they called them the Killer Bees. So uh, I have no idea, but somebody suggested the Killer Bees, and and it stuck with us, and and we had a pretty damn good run. <laughs> mm. Now the Killer Bees were—they're one of the only baby faces. They're, all, they're you guys are one of the only teams that. Uh, consistently were baby faces throughout your entire career in the WWE. There's not a lot of people. Yep. There's not a lot of people can say that. As far as a singles wrestler, Ricky Steamboat, you know, can can lay claim sure. to stay in a baby face. Was yep. were there were there ever any talks of turning you you guys heels? No, never. No, we would have had a good gimmick with the mask, but I think uh, uh, Brian and 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 myself, our egos couldn't stand people booing at us, so we yeah. never decided to be heels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, so yeah, I, I'm one one thing I'm wondering, and you you guys received some success as the Killer Bees. You were one of the most popular tag teams. People still talk about the Killer Bees. Why was it that Vince McMahon never saw that you all were tag team championship worthy? Well, I think that, to be honest with you, I really think that uh, Vince didn't like us. Hmm. <laughs> and that's basically why. <laughs> you know, because we you know, we could work with any team, and we had a great gimmick, and, um, you know, we got over. And the fact was that, you know, he had sort of mentioned that we're going to, you know, we're going to beat this team, we're going to beat that team, and we're going to get the belts. But we never did. So, you know, it was just, you know, it was uh, disappointing for us, um, but at the same time, you sort of, uh, you know, you just said, well, <laughs> you know, we're making good money. This is the only place to be, you know, if you're in pro wrestling. I mean, yeah. WWF at that time was the only place to be, so we just sort of, you know, grinned and bared it. Yeah, and that's true. Now, who was who was responsible for, and we may have talked about this last year, but who was responsible for, Acquiring uh, you both into the WWE. Now you said that Vince didn't like you. Were you acquired because Vince knew that you were good? That you and Brian were good talent in the WWE. Well, you specifically was a good talent in the AWA, and he wanted to just have you for the sake of having you, so no one else could. Well, I think that was it. I think Vince was trying to acquire all the talent he could. And if you could take away a talent that has been in the territory for 10 years mm-hmm. and has drawn consistently well, you know, that's feather in his cap. So that's what he did you know, throughout the country. Yeah. And, then, you know, pretty soon, you know, I mean, uh, you know, most of the areas, they had lost just about everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the AWA lost a ton of guys. Yeah. You know, Bobby Heenan and Gene Oakland and Jesse Ventura and Rick Martell and myself. Kurt Henning, 
Yeah, Hulk Hogan. He was the Golden Goose. Yeah. You know, I mean, the WWF wouldn't have been what it was or what it is today without him. He was by far the uh, the most sensational star of you know my generation. Absolutely. We talked about Hulk Hogan, and you you know shared your thoughts about you know him not being racist. It looks like WWE is trying to migrate him back in the fold. Is it a matter of them realizing that he's such a commodity? No matter how you know long you've been in the business, no matter how old he is, he's still a commodity for the WWE. For them, from a merchandise standpoint, from an advertising standpoint, and it, it, they're kind of seeing how much he's worth as far as just his brand alone. Well, I agree. I, I mean, that's the only reason why they would bring him back mm-hmm. uh, because you know <laughs> Vince Vince thinks, well, you know. We'll just bring back Hulk and make you know millions more dollars. Yeah. And to me, you know, I know you know Terry won this lawsuit against that uh, you know website or whatever it was. Gawker. And yeah, and uh, even if he gets you know a tenth of it, I would just say I would curl up in Florida and just say goodbye, you yeah. know, and live my life. I mean, you know, he's he's in his early sixties, so. I mean, I, I I guess it's hard for him because he's so used to being in the limelight, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the opportunity uh, would be enticing. But I just, you know, I'd like to see him just, you know, sort of uh, venture off into, you know, <laughs> you know, the next phase in his life and just say, hey, you know, this was this and now I'm just going to relax the rest of my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I but, hope so. but, like, but like you said, it's it's tough for Hulk Hogan to do that because he's no. I know it. <laughs> yeah, he off the energy. Yeah, I know it. Yeah. Well, you know, once you you know you yeah, that exposure is being you know the uh, top whatever you are, and, and you know mm-hmm. your name's everywhere, and you're on TV, and you're on the radio, and people talk about you, and you're on the internet. You know, it's hard to walk away from that. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely correct. So why were the killer bees split up? Well, here's what happened. In 87, there was sort of a purge at the WWF, and they let a lot of guys go. And they let Don Morocco go. They let Kent Parrott go. Uh, I think they let uh, Ray Hernandez go, who was Hercules, Mm -hmm. Ray Fernandez. And um, they had brought in a couple teams. Uh, they brought in Arn Anderson and uh, Tully Blanchard. And um, I remember we were going to work with them out at the Cal Palace in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And Brian saw the writing on the wall, and he just said, I ain't going, so he quit. And uh, I still needed their money because I – I had a gym at that time, and I still needed that the amount of money that I was making. Pretty hard to walk away from, you know, three, you know, three grand a week, twenty five hundred a week. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't make that in the real world, and and that's that's the the most uh, glaring um, fact when you get out of wrestling. And you know, the real world. I mean, <laughs> they don't care if you were a pro wrestler, and they don't care if you wrestled at, you know, Madison Square Garden or won five 
WrestleManias, you know, they think, okay, but what can you do for me right now? Exactly. And, you know, it's funny, and I, I don't know if I mentioned this to you before, but during my travels, especially at the end there with the WWF, I'll call them, uh, you know, we flew so damn much, and I'd meet people all the time on the planes, and we'd talk, you know, for a couple hours, and and the people would uh, give me their cards, and they'd say, you know, Jim, when you're, you know, when you're thinking that you're going to be done with wrestling, you know, give us a call, write us, blah, blah, blah. So I had like 50 cards over the period of I don't know how many years, you know, most probably six years. Mm-hmm. So when I got fired for the third time by Vince, um, I wrote out, <laughs> I wrote a little letter and included, a, you know, a resume and um, sent them off to all these people that I had met. And it's funny, Chris, uh, out of all those people that I'd met and talked to, only one person r- responded to my letter, and he said they weren't hiring at that time. Wow. So, you know, the, it, it's the old adage, you know, out of sight, out of mind. Right. And, you're only as good as your last match. So, you know, I was very fortunate that, uh, you know, I got a job when I was 50 years old. Yeah. You know, and I've been at that company now for 17 years. And, uh, you know, I was very fortunate because, you know, there's a lot of guys, uh, you know, oh, well, look at Ric Flair. I mean, you know, God love him. I mean, uh, Rick is still at the mercy of the WWE. I mean, you know, he's got to, he, they work the daylights out of him to get, you know, money. You know, for things that you know he has to pay for. Yeah, yeah. So, and you know, he's he's six months older than me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's going to be sixty-eight pretty soon. So, and I saw him, you know, and I know he's tired, but you know, he still loves the limelight, and God bless him. But uh, you know, I, and then you know, uh, like Greg, Han- uh, you know, Valentine, and some of these guys. Jesus, I mean, there's no way that I could possibly get in the ring. You know, I could get in the ring, but I, I, I'd have trouble getting out of it. I, you know, I have a hip, knee, and shoulder, yeah. and my knee, my knee uh, implant is loose. So now they, they're talking. There might be a revision in my to redo my knee, mm-hmm. but it's just I, I can't think of anybody, you know, my age or even five years younger trying to get in the ring. Yeah. You know, and and you know, doing anything. You know, I just. I, at age fifty, I couldn't do any. I couldn't do what I did, be, you know, when I was forty. So I said, you know, that's it. <laughs> I think that's a great point, and I talk about that a lot on my show, especially with the people I interview. I mean, I interview people in their twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, you know, sixties, and you know, some some of the people are still in really good shape. Like I said, I've inter- I've interviewed Superstar Bill Dundee. I've interviewed Bushwhacker Luke. Both of them are in sure. their 60s, and they still go. You know, well, yeah. D, I think, is pushing 70. Um, uh, well, both of them are, actually. <laughs> and they can still go because they were talking about they, – they, they both, both of them said that if they didn't wrestle, then they feel like they would lose their shape and their cardio, which makes sense. But there's some people, you know – who have been in the business for so long and there's they they know that they can't wrestle. They know that they can't go and they have to go because of the money. You know what I mean? And, and yeah, exactly. that, that's the really, really, really sad part of it. It is. Yeah. It what, is. And yeah. And what, and you know, I, I, 
I can't, you know, when I had 5,000 matches in 27 years, mm-hmm. and and I was, I don't know how many drop kicks. I probably threw eight to 10,000 drop kicks in that period. Yeah. And I took such a beating on my shoulder and my knee and my hip that it, it would be impossible for me as jumping Jim Brunzel to go in the ring and, and be anything of uh, effect still the of what I used to be. Yeah. It's just impossible. You yeah. know, I <laughs> I have I have you know, it takes me a little bit of time to get out of bed in the morning. Yeah. I uh, and I, I think that's a really good point because, you know, some of these wrestlers nowadays they, they're kinda of killing their brand, you know. No, yeah. You know, and they they, they continue to wrestle, you know, a lot of people know know them for them walking to the ring now instead of the nostalgia pictures and autographs from 20, 30 years ago, you know, and it becomes, right. it becomes kind of sad. Someone like you, you haven't wrestled in over 15 years, you know, jumping Jim Brun still, still has a brand out there because, you know, you're not wrestling at these back alleys and people sure. just kind of being, you know, sympathetic towards you now, you know, and that, and that's, that's that's a really good thing. So, um, you know, you you when you left the WWE, you wrestled for uh, UWF, and you were brought into WCW for Slamboree. Um, right. Who who was who was in charge? Of that was was it Hurt or was it uh, um, was it Watts? You know what? I tell you what it was. Greg Diamond was working down there um, for a little bit, and I can't remember. He had mentioned that they were going to have a, a six-man tag, and it was going to be <laughs> it was going to be Wahoo me, and I think it was Jack Mulligan mm-hmm. against um, Jimmy Snuka and um, uh, Dickie Murdoch and Don Morocco. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's who it was. And honest to God, uh, we pulled it off. And I, I, I tell you that Dickie Murdoch, he was a great worker. Jesus God, he was a good. He was one of those natural guys, and, and, and you know, wow, it was fun, you know. And, and then I think the main event was uh, Nick Bockwinkle against Dory Funk. And these two guys, you know, were, were seven years older than me, yeah. and they, they stole the show. Yeah. They had a great 15-minute draw. Yeah. And, and it was fun, you know, and I, I thought, God, you know. And and, uh, and then I think the next week I had to go on, uh, I, I, I might have been at um, – the, one of the first Raws they had, and I think I had to do a job for... Uh, Demento, uh, it was. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm trying to think who it was. Um, Demento? Nah, it might have been. But I felt, I felt horrible here. <laughs> they recognized me as a, you know, a superstar and a legend, and then the next week I'm at, yeah, I, I'm at, at that theater in uh, Manhattan doing the first Raw, and I thought, Jesus, God. <laughs> Yeah, sad. Yeah, the first. And matter of fact, after that, I think that was it. I told, I told Pat. I said, you know what? I'm not going to do any more jobs on TV, you know. And if if that so be it, so be it. I'm done. Yeah. You know. Exactly. Real quick, last thing I want to talk about. Uh, it's it's you know it's it's public news. It's been uh, um, reported everywhere. Uh, Two months ago, uh, your name was mentioned in the class action lawsuit regarding traumatic brain injuries. Uh, right. Um, now, what prompted you know this to happen at this point of time? Well, I'll tell you, there was a point um, 
in in the middle 80s, towards the end there, I worked in uh, Salt Lake City, and I was working against the Barbarian, and his finish was a high leg, uh, you know, kick coming off the ropes, and I come flying off the ropes, and he caught me under the chin and actually uh, put me up in there, and I slammed the back of my head on the mat, and I was out. Mm. And I, I actually... <laughs> I, I didn't know where the hell I was. I thought I was in Japan. They had to help me into the a locker room, and I, I, I just couldn't get, you know, get my bearings. And for two days, I was sort of nauseated and dizzy. And you know what? I told the guys that, you know, the agents, and I still had to wrestle every night. And, I, and then I was in L.A., and um, this Dr. Unger, I believe, you know, was examining me, and I told him, I said, I don't feel too good. I said, I've had, you know, I got, I, I, I had, took a hell of a bump on the back of my head in Salt Lake City, you know, three nights ago. And he looked at me, and he said, Jim, you can't wrestle. You have a third-degree concussion. And so I can't remember who the agent was, and they said, well, he has to work tonight because we have no substitute. Mm-hmm. So we went over, and I was working with Hercules, Ray Fernandez, and the doctor told him, he said, the only way that I will let Jim wrestle tonight is if you don't hit him in the head, slam him, or in any way, you know, kick him in the head, or hurt him in the head. Mm-hmm. And Ray agreed, and we had a, 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 a pretty decent match, and he got disqualified, whatever it was. But the reason why I did that is because <clears throat> there was no thought in the head injuries you know, during that early time of the WWF. Mm-hmm. And what these, uh, what this lawsuit is trying to get is trying to get money from the WWE to uh, put it in a pool to compensate for these guys that, you know, might have early dementia. Mm-hmm. And it's the same law firm that got the $4 billion for the NFL. Mm-hmm. For the same problem, the CTE, and 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 I, I guarantee you, there was many guys, you know, that that would do so much, you know, to uh, to to make themselves look good, uh, and they, you know, they would sacrifice themselves every night, and that, you know, if they got hit in the head with a chair, if they ran their head into a post. You know, they thought, well, this is going to endear me with Vince. I'm going to make more money. But, you know, they didn't realize that, you know, they, they might be doing, you know, substantial damage uh, to their brain. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I know a lot of these guys, you know, look at the, look at the trouble they've had with the drug, you know, the overdoses. And, and, and that was, that was uh, thinking, you know, I mean, there, there was a lot of... Uh, uh, cerebral trauma there that created that um, mechanism that they needed drugs. So, and, and, you know, it could have been some violent hits. So uh, I have absolutely no uh, regret that I signed my name, and there's a lot of guys yeah. that have, I think, what you say, 52 or 53 guys? Yeah. And, 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 you know, we don't want money now. We just want money. You know, we just want the WWE to recognize that a lot of guys, uh, you know, paid the price 
in order to further their brand. And and we did it, you know, and sacrificing, you know, uh, what could be, you know, our, our memories. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I have uh, I have no no second thoughts on that at all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, Jim, you know, I I, I understand. I, I understand your point. And uh, what's the best for you, man? Well, thank you, Chris. And you know, you know, I uh, I count my blessings every every day. You know, and uh, you know, I'm 67 now, and and I had a wonderful career. I had some great, talented workers, and and just some wonderful experiences. Uh, you know that I that I documented in this book, and 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 it was such a fun thing. And I always enjoy uh, like Bobby Heenan's going to be in town up in Minneapolis this weekend. And you know he's gone through so much, and 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 uh, I love him dearly. He was probably, uh, as I mentioned in my book, he was the greatest all-around uh, art, you know, uh, star mm-hmm. in wrestling that I dealt with. He was he was by far the best as far as in the ring, uh, outside of the ring, on the microphone. His timing, uh, whatever he did, it was always for the betterment of the match. And his opponent, you know, and, and, and there were very few guys like him. And now, poor guy's got no jaw and can't talk and, you know, is a, a shell of himself. And it's just, you know, it's it's so sad. Oh, yeah. It, it absolutely is. So, definitely my, my prayers are with him. So, Jim, it's, uh, it's been a year since you've been on the show, and it was just as good as last year. And maybe uh, we can bring you back on next year. Well, I look forward to it, Chris. Thank you so much. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, Jim. God bless you. Thank you. you. Bye. Bring what you got. The measuring stick just changed around here, buddy. You're looking at it. Four corners. Three. Our mind. Let's go. The whole squad is making it clear We taking this year You know who we are But you don't know why we here So this is where the big boys play These big boys play Like who defies the living guy Get out the big boys way Outsiders with the swoop in We live as kings You see in us But our third man waits in the wings And when the time is right We shock him with the proper attack I go for dolo but ain't solo Cut the promo in black Hollywood Hendrix Prizzle pinning them to the max. And I'm Das Wonderkin with the strength of a hundred men. With one intent to see the will fulfilled of the one who sent his son to give himself. But you rap about your gas and your rags torture. White coffins when I drop a bomb. My mic's awesome. Never lost faith. You in all space. You can all skate, suffer, but never cripple. No bin walls in my cross face. From here to Saturday, raving, anticipating. I was frostbit, now I am glacier. Mixed with some Vader. Get to hawking with these animals. Using God for my defense in Alabama, we jamming. That's beautiful, Bobby E. And me and Priest, we the dangerous alliance. Nah, the Harlem Heat. Tie the do rag before we do battle. You're talking sheep. You are what you speak. This too sweet. Till the number is took back, we repping that wolf pack. The foundation shaking, no mistaking. Yeah, we shook that. Trust in God, we trust. Pushing forward, never look back. Meekness ain't at all weakness. Some people must shook that. Stamping out this crook rap. He turning the power. 
power on, on the razor's edge, leg drop after a power bomb, tired of the lies, man, we bringing the truth through, diligent and fruitful, the owners in our group too, it's good to be king, sold out this war is brutal, we playing them war games, our army go move too, you too, I'm in the raptors, with a bat in my hand, and stand to shatter all your plans so they don't matter, in the grand scheme, it's that easy, we tag teaming, Donna brothers, we love it, demand the win, establish it, this the clash of the champions. <laughs> this is where the big boys play, huh? We ain't here to play. And a special thank you to our guest, to our special guest for this uh, this week, uh, Jumping Jim Brunzel, former AWA Tag Team Champion. Uh, please excuse uh, the stuffiness for this week. I'm not. Uh, I'm under the weather. Battle a very ugly bug, but uh, just like uh, what I do with bugs, I squash them, and uh, so I'll, I'll be fine. <laughs> so thank you so much for enduring. Thank you so much for, uh, once again, listening to the show. I'm going to bring on a special guest here in a moment. Uh, but once again, just a uh, special thank you to Jumping Jim Brunzel. Uh, he came on the show almost exactly a year ago when we talked about some AWA stuff and it was great to have him on the show. I was intrigued by um, I've been intrigued by the the lawsuits that's uh, going on. Uh, one was filed in July, one was filed in August. Last week I had Buff Bagwell on the show. And we talked about uh, that lawsuit, and then there's another lawsuit that was uh, filed a, a month before, uh, and Jim Brazil's on that. So there's a, there's a lot of names. There's over 50 names on there. So just uh, stay tuned as far as takes from other people whose names on there. So. Continue to continue to uh, be here and continue to let us know your thoughts on uh, the different goings on in professional wrestling. All right, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, I'm going to introduce the special guests for this evening. East Coast Wrestling Association Tag Team Champion, uh, astounding photographer and promoter, manager, He's just really a jack of all trades. The antagonist, the notorious AJ Pan. How are you tonight, sir? Hey, how you doing, Chris? Thank you for having me on. Fantastic, fantastic. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you. How's the uh, How's the day been? Uh, not too bad, not too bad. You know, it's a New York City day, so always busy and hectic, and uh, gearing up for this weekend's big uh, ECWA event out in Woodbury Heights, New Jersey. Absolutely, and that is the twenty fourth, right? Uh, go ahead and give that a plug. Yes, this uh, Saturday night in uh, Woodbury Heights, New Jersey, it's the ECWA's 49th anniversary show. Can you believe that? 49 years for an indie promotion. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's uh, that's awesome. I mean, especially for an indie show, like you said, for almost 50 years. That's, uh, that's saying a lot. Uh, it is. They've been, yeah. Uh, I remember when I was, you know, young going to shows and uh, when Jim Kettner ran it. And, you know, now they're still around, and it's still, you know, alive and kicking. Uh, Sean Carr, one of the best wrestlers, I think, in the uh, East Coast, uh, he's defending the World Heavyweight Championship against Crowbar. He's returning to Crowbar, uh, ECWA. Nice. Yeah, 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 Crowbar. That's a very, uh, yeah, uh, him, and, him and Daphne. So that's, a, that's awesome. Is she still around? She's still around. Uh, she's doing stuff, I believe, in Shine right now, down in oh, Florida. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. Sounds good. Well, best wishes to you, man. 
Definitely. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's going to be a big night. I'm defending the tag team titles with my uh, my partner, Damian Adams, against Mr. Ulala and J.V. Browning. Nice. Awesome. And where can people buy tickets, or uh, what's the address? Uh, it's 741 Helen Avenue in Woodbury Heights, New Jersey, and ECWAProWrestling.com. You can get tickets. Fantastic. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get to the headlines. Here we go. Like we do each and every week uh, It's been 10 weeks This is actually the 11th week uh, For the past 10 weeks We've uh, reviewed every single week Of the WWE Cruiserweight Classic uh, This will be the final review Of course of the WWE Cruiserweight Classic But uh, we'll I think I'll go ahead and review The Cruiserweights on Raw Probably as a separate thing Maybe uh, Just because I think the Cruiserweight division Is such a unique division That's really the revival of the cruiserweight division really uh, did a really did a really good job of taking that very negative mark that we saw in WWE when unfortunately Hornswoggle, no disrespect to Hornswoggle, but uh, <laughs> Hornswoggle was the, the final champion. So it's definitely a great way to reinvent the cruiserweights as opposed to how it was uh, beforehand with with Chavo and and then Jack wouldn't have it and just. Yeah, I mean, I, I love those talents. I like Chavo, a big fan of Jacqueline, but uh, it definitely was not, uh, it wasn't something of a t- to be taken seriously, but it certainly has been, and uh, the Cruiserweight Classic really showed us the amazing talent from an international standpoint. In the last week, it was great to see T.J. Perkins win the Cruiserweight Classic and the inaugural Raw Cruiserweight Championship. Uh, yeah, it's been a fantastic event, and uh, that's back in the day, you know, one thing WCW always had over the WWE, their cruiserweight division. WWE tried it numerous times, and it just never took off. The WCW always had Rey Mysterio, Sakosis, Juventud Guerrero, La Parque. It was just an amazing division, yep. and now hopefully they'll get get it they'll get it right with the world of talent they brought in, from uh, Rich Swan to Jerry, Brian Kendrick. Uh, it's, hopefully it's an amazing time now for the cruiserweights once again. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting note. Uh, there's been many reports going around as well, and I wrote one on the uh, on Sports Gita as far as the reason why T.J. Perkins won the cruiserweight championship in the tournament was uh, uh, reported that Kota Ibushi and Zack Sabre Jr. did not sign. Those were the two uh, biggest names, the the biggest targets to win the champ to the, the championship and the tournament. Uh, both of them would not sign. They would not commit. They had indie, you know, Sabre had some indie, indie commitments uh, in the UK. Uh, he's going to, he's going to big things there. And then as far as Kota Ibushi, he's been a star in Japan, specifically New Japan, uh, being in one of the top marquee matches a couple of years ago in Wrestle Kingdom against Shinsuke Nakamura. So, you know, he's doing his, he's doing his thing in, in Japan, of course. And, it takes a lot for someone to Japan to just with little to no, you know, English knowledge to, to, to fully migrate into the English culture. Um, there's a lot of different, different things culturally from, you know, United States compared to Japan. So he just wasn't ready to make that commitment, which makes sense, you know, so I, there's nothing to knock them there, but you know, they, they weren't committed to, to have full-time schedules to WWE. So, 
WWE apparently went to TJ Perkins to to be their front runner. Uh, that was that was a shock, actually. Yeah, I I, I totally saw Bushi, uh, you know, going uh, getting the win there, and uh, out of anybody else too, I I thought maybe the next up would have been Cedric Alexander, but mm-hmm. uh, you know they gave the surprise to TJ Perkins, which was great. It swerved everybody, and he's a phenomenal talent. Uh, pardon the pun, but uh, yeah, he's a great. <laughs> I watched him for years, you know, in TNA, and you know, in the indie scene, evolved. He's had fantastic matches, performances, so. To see him finally get a shot at the top, uh, you know, great to see now all these guys, you know, that we've watched, um, you know, we watched Mature on the Indies now getting a shot on the big stage on Raw, SmackDown, NXT, wherever it may be. Oh, absolutely. I was pulling for Cedric Alexander because he was on my show and he was really excited about being, I mean, he literally, I mean, he even said on my show before uh, Marvin Allo, you know, kept repeating it. Uh, throughout the uh, time he was there, he he really did cut over twenty pounds. I mean, I remember seeing him in ROH. I've seen him live uh, in ROH, and you know, you know, he's not a he wasn't necessarily out of shape. I mean, he was he did have a a, a gut on him, you know. But uh, you know, he was he was he was certainly very very athletic. Uh, he had like a muscle gut. <laughs> Sometimes Kurt Angle has the muscle <laughs> gut. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he, he's a lot leaner, um, and it's, it's a drastic change. I mean, I've, I've seen 20 pounds lost. I've lost 50 pounds before and, you know, and, and it's, I definitely have seen the transformation in, in people, but, you know, his face and his, and his midsection area, it, it was gone, you know, when he came back, when he came to the WWE <laughs> and, uh, you know, he definitely looked a lot younger and a, a lot more nimble, um, and a lot more athletic. And, uh, you know, he, I was pulling for him, you know, he was really excited when he was on my show. Um, he, he was, he thought it was going to be a one-off thing and, you know, he, he did so well. Uh, in the Cruiserweight Classic, the the two matches that he was uh, part of it, that uh, people noticed, and they should have, because he was absolutely amazing. The match with him and Abushi is probably one of the best matches on the tournament. I was pulling for him, but at the same time, you know, I I've liked T.J. Perkins for quite some time. I followed him when he was Puma. Uh, I followed him when he was Manic Suicide. <laughs> me, Manic, Manic Suicide. Uh, uh, when he was uh, in the revolution in TNA, you know, bounced around here and there in TNA, not really properly used to, you know, to, I don't think he was ever properly used in TNA. Suicide was a catchy gimmick for a while and manic, you know, I understand why they had to change it to manic from, from suicide. I understand, but he never really got any stability in TNA as long as he was there. So I'm really glad that him as TJ Perkins and not under a mask has an opportunity to to shine and, and to to be a part and, and lead the, the the cruiserweight division. Brandy Rhodes signs with TNA as a wrestling talent. Now this is really really interesting to me. Uh, I interviewed Brandy uh, on my show a couple of months ago, and she was telling me that she was endeavoring in acting and kind of supporting Cody as a wrestling talent. But then these, you know, videos start coming out of her training, and she signs with TNA. I mean, she's a very sweet, sweet person. <laughs> very, I mean, she was she was awesome as an uh, interview. She's really nice, and I, I really respect her. But 
TNA as a wrestling talent? I mean, how far is that really going to take you? Um, well, let, you know, Cody's a smart guy, so I'm sure he led her in the right direction there. Uh, she's, you know, the WWE schedule definitely not for her, so yeah. that was probably ruled out. She's not going to go on the indies and face girls who may be not, not ready or go for, you know, uh, the women of honor because those girls are a little too advanced for her at the moment. So TNA is good to dip her, dip her toes in, get you know TV ready as well. You know, as a wrestling personality, uh, you know they they work. At, you know they do uh, five tapings you know a week, and that fills the whole month. So it's not the hectic schedule. They get it all out of the way, and she has time too to go back to the Indies with Cody, explore and you know watch other talents, get some training. Uh, so I think it actually was a smart move for her to do this right now. I mean, I can, I can understand that as far as just the the factors that you brought in. I, I understand it, but here's the thing: TNA's knockout division was really, other than other than the X division, was their bread and butter, and they take such a huge dip as far as just popularity and engagement in the knockouts division. That I don't. I mean, if she came in on a different time. Possibly, I mean, I, there was a time that TNA TNA's knockout division was in bounds better than WWE's women's division, but now, oh, yeah, but now since the, it, it's dipped so much that it, I mean, you, you've got uh, Allie. I mean, when she was Cherry Bomb, you know, she she's a great indie talent, but they're just kind of booking her so weirdly now and. You know, and her laying down to Maria, and Maria never really being a, a wrestling talent. And, you know, Sienna's she's okay, but she doesn't really have her grounding. Gail Kim just is kind of stale now and kind of outstayed her welcome, unfortunately. And it's, you know, it's just really Madison Rain, too. They really don't have anything going with her. Uh, and it's just not, I mean, Jade is good. I, I liked her when she was uh, Maya Yim. But I, there's there's nothing really going on for the knockouts division. I don't see Brandy Rhodes being any type of. Uh, I don't see her elevating the division at all. I mean, unfortunately, maybe as a personality, maybe to work. I mean, I'm hoping because she's a she's a really she's a really sweet girl. I you know I, I like I, I like her as a, as a person from from. Discussion I've had with her, and I wish her the best. I really do. I just don't know. I mean, not from her standpoint, but from the TNA standpoint. I mean, the, the TNA women's division to me is 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 not is not something that I would be eager to endeavor in if I was a a, a female wrestling personality. I think CNA right now is just trying to get whatever they can to stick and get whatever buzz right now. Yeah. So I think it's a yeah. win-win. She gets to stay on television and get her name out now as a wrestler. And TNA can say they signed, you know, Brandy Rhodes, you know, to a wrestling contract. TNA mm-hmm. has had, you know, what you said after a lot of points, you said it's been with every division they've had. They've lost so many times, you know, AJ Styles champion. Then he gets lost in the shuffle. Samoa, Samoa mm-hmm. Joe. It, you know, and I've been a supporter of TNA for years, but it's getting harder and harder to, you know, stick with them at this point because the talent's there, but the direction just gets shifted, it seems like, every two months. 
Yeah. And it's a I, shame. I, it's a shame. I, I 100000000000 billion percent agree with that. From on many aspects, I was an apologist for TNA. I mean, it's, it's hard for someone to say that nowadays, but I was an apologist for TNA for quite some time. I mean, a couple of years ago, <laughs> I was telling my friends, hey, listen, you know, my my, my, die, my fellow diehard wrestling friends, uh, fans, they don't watch TNA. And I'm like, hey, listen, you know, they, they've really got a good talent pool there. They've really got some good stuff going. Uh, but I don't know what it was to just kind of change the the interest to me. When, when they moved to Destination America, there was some – there was some level of interest there. Um, that that was around the time when Kurt Angle and Bobby Lashley was shooting. Uh, there were some good matches that they put together, and then I think that's that was the advent of um, oh goodness, what was MVP's group? Him and uh, Lashley and Loki. Oh yeah, and, and Homicide. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to blank on that right now. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't even know. Uh, it was it was an acronym. It was some type of initials or something like that. I, I yeah. don't remember. Yeah, but um, it, it'll pop up here in a minute, I'm sure. But I, I think when that came, it was okay at first, and then you know, Eric Young turned heel, and he was an amazing heel. Beat Down Clan, BDC. That's what it was. Um, yes, yes. Yeah, and and. <laughs> That was interesting because, you know, Samoa Joe turned heel. Um, and so it was an interesting kind of dynamic there because he wasn't heel for a while before then. Uh, EY wasn't heel for a while either. And then, you know, Bobby Roode kind of got a resurgence because he was kind of wallowing in the in the uh, mid card. So there was some type, there was some promise there, and that was about a year and a half ago, almost two years ago. I think it was like the the, the very beginning of uh, fifteen, two thousand fifteen. Yeah. The Bully Ray area, the Bully Ray era was fantastic. Um, minus the uh, Aces of Eights, <laughs> was it, the, the beginning <laughs> of Aces of Eights was good, but the end of it was just. The, the the payoff was just a disaster to me, but oh yeah, uh, every time they unmasked somebody, it was like the NWOB team that was on top. Yeah, it was like, Come on exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. I'm like, oh, okay, so who, who's the unveiling? I mean, I love I love unveiling uh, 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 angles because it, it's it's just it's theater, it's drama, it's climaxes, all that stuff. That's that that are really really good essentials of pro wrestling. So I was excited about just who's the, you know, who's the next person, who's the next member, who's going to be unmasked. And I see, you know, this this week it's Garrett Bischoff, this week it's Wes Briscoe, and I'm like, uh, okay, come on. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you know, no disrespect to Garrett or Wes, but you know, they don't have enough star power to to really drive an angle, you know. Yeah, so, exactly. Uh, yeah. So, it, it, I, you know, it, I don't think it was very. I mean, I, I'm a huge D'Lo Brown fan. I uh, he was one of my favorite guests on the show on on this show here, and and uh, he's a fellow Bulls fan, and, uh, and and you know, but it's cool guy. I mean, we've uh, we've we've communicated uh, since then, uh, but I don't think that D'Lo. I mean, I was I was glad that he had an opportunity to to come back and actually make a name for himself. Uh, you know, as far as a prominent role, 
but he was kind of misused there too. And it, again, it was one of those people like D'Lo, you know, you know, it yeah. just wasn't, you know, what I mean, it just wasn't enough star power to really make the angle uh, exciting and relevant as the weeks progressed. Oh yeah, exactly. And then one week, uh, you know, Taz got unveiled. Like, come on, I love Taz. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I love exactly. Taz, but what's he gonna do? <laughs> he didn't do any really in-ring roles, even as like a manager or anything. He was just a heel commentator, which he was right. doing pretty much. So, what was the point of that? Yeah, it was just it was just really odd. Just very, very odd. Next, we have a uh, Bull Dempsey. Uh, very interesting uh, stuff here. Uh, Bull Dempsey, former NXT star, uh, Bull Fit. That that was it really really got over, and he surprisingly got released. Um, There's he was recently in an interview, and he stated that he was actually, you know, you have. I don't, there, there's the breaking ground series when they've had many times where they had that big you know moment, that big climax moment where you know someone would come in the office and they would give him a raise or they would fire him. Um, right. He was expecting the raise. He was, you know, because Bullfit was getting over. He said that he was overseas. Uh, he was way over with the whole Bullfit brand. Very interesting stuff. He's always been a very solid wrestler for me. Um, so uh, he was he was in a very stable position, and there was just some some changes that NXT wanted to do, and they let him go. So, and they said that he was actually going in there. He had no clue. He had he had no notion that he was going to get let go, and he was actually expecting a raise. And I would have too if I was Bull Dempsey because he he was a very solid character for NXT that was one of the most over people in in the brand at that time. Uh yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan of Bull. I've known him for a couple of years. I actually ran into him after uh, NXT Takeover here in Brooklyn. Um, yeah, uh, you know, it was for a while he was just getting a little stagnant there. Uh, with mm-hmm. once they brought in uh, Baron Corbin, so I was a little worried for him. But then they repackaged him to the bull fit, and he got it over very well. And he was the aggregate mm-hmm. behind it. So I'm like, good for him. You know, there's going to be something new for him. They're going to, you know, finally pull the trigger, push him a little bit. And then all of a sudden, I hear he was released, which was very shocking. He was a very yeah. good talent. You know, it was almost around the same time uh, Solomon Crow got let go, or he actually yeah. was released. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, and I I can see why um, Callahan wanted to leave because uh, it seemed like when they came uh, when he came in with the hacker gimmick, they had some good things going for him. Interesting enough, I think it was against uh, Dempsey, if I'm not mistaken, that he was feeding. Yes, yes. Yeah, um, but yeah, they they just really really abused you know his talent, and I figured that he I'm sure that he knew that he would do much more. He, he would do much better in these when he was Sammy Callahan. Uh, he was really over, and he is again now. It's a, it was a tough time at that point in, C, uh, excuse me, in NXT because you had uh, pretty much everybody there. Right? You had Neville, Sammy Zayn. Uh, yeah. You know, the, the, the roster at that time was ridiculous. Like, now to call everybody up might be a better, might have been a better time for guys like Bull Dempsey and for uh, Solomon Crowe to get the, uh, the, you know, the push they deserve. But, yeah, that was yeah. just an incredible time for NXT. Absolutely. I think that's a very good point. The WWE is interested in uh, buying TNA, uh, reportedly. And also, uh, it's been reported that ROH uh, made a bid as well. Now, 
Uh, our flavor of the week that we're going to have uh, this week is uh, the the top five. Uh, you and I will both have the top five uh, uh, teenage wrestlers who we think will do well in, in WWE. And it's, it's spawned from this because I'm really interested in this particular topic. Now, it appears as if the WWE would do it simply from a rights perspective, similar to what they did with, you know, uh, all the other territories, WCW and WA, um, all the other uh, uh, Smoky Mountain, all, all of those uh, promotions from, for more of a rights, for, for more a rights video library type of perspective. But it seems that ROH would probably do it from a talent acquisition, you know, especially with their par- partnerships with uh, New Japan and CMLL that are doing very well. Uh, so I, which one do you think would have a better – would be a better decision if, if TNA does get bought out, WWE or ROH? Uh, I mean, the company that would benefit more, I believe, at this point would be ROH, depending on the deal. Uh, they they have an insane amount of talent that they could grab from CNA that's not being used properly and integrate them into their roster. And also, hopefully, maybe their TV deal could become a part of that and ROH mm-hmm. get back on somewhat of a nationally syndicated show. I loved watching ROH when it was on Destination America for a little while, and now I went back onto the Sinclair stations, and I have to watch it on the computer again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thankfully, and here in Ohio, uh, it's actually shown twice a week. <laughs> the same the same program is on twice a week. So, oh, you're like, I can't get... even get a once here. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I get the luxury of uh, watching the original and the rerun. So both of them are. Uh, it's, I really can't. They're they're both taped, and so I really can't uh, change the settings to not tell me record one, or I haven't really spent the time to do it. So you yeah, usually two ROH shows per week comes with my DVR. So I usually, I usually uh, the second one and watch the first one. But yeah, it's I agree with you. I, I think that ROH uh, would benefit much more uh, because I don't think that TNA talent would have an opportunity to uh, keep their jobs per se. You know, in the WWE, I think that the WWE would bring a few TNA talents uh, for NXT. Like I think uh, bringing back uh, Bateman or EC3 would be good for them. Um, uh, with with uh, the Hardys being so over, you know, with Brother Nero and Broken Matt, there there was actually some some speculation that uh, Matt may come back, but I, I don't know how far that will go. But yeah, I think that you know. There's there's some talent now in TNA uh, that would certainly uh, benefit coming into to WWE, but I think a fraction of, of TNA talent will will come to WWE as a, as, a, as compared to ROH. And ROH is a, a really good brand. I've, I've been a bit, big fan of ROH for quite some time, and I think that they would do very well acquiring some TNA talent. TNA has such a Here's the thing, though, with TNA. TNA has such brand damage going on with them right now that if you kind of flood ROH to TNA talent, I think that that will hurt them as a brand, though. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't have like an influx of TNA talent 
uh, I would probably bring five to seven people um, uh, to to ROH because if you because if you have too much TNA talent, it'll kind of be kind of TNA just kind of migrated to ROH. And I think from a branding perspective, ROH ROH's brand is still good; it's still viable. TNA's brand not so much. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. There's certain guys you'd have to integrate, like kind of like they have. Uh, with the addiction and guys like that, where it's not overwhelming, bring them in here and there. And there's a few select guys I think that would do very well there, or just, you know, guys who would return, kind of like uh, uh, Davey Richards and uh, Eddie Edwards, that'd get a huge, I think, reaction if they came back uh, in the midst of this. Uh, you know, Drew, uh, Drew Galloway, I think, would be awesome. Uh, yep. You have a couple of girls there, too, who could kind of mix it up with the Women of Honor, and hopefully they'd finally, you know, create a title for that division. So I think they definitely have more potential where Vince would just mainly be looking for the library. And I'd see a few guys maybe going to NXT or one or two coming up to the main roster. Right. Exactly. Interesting. Um, last topic we're going to talk about before we're on SmackDown. Uh, there's, there's reports that the shield uh, could potentially come back uh, in a couple months at the, at the survivor series pay-per-view. Now, from and we'll get to Raw here in a moment. It seems like they're slowly pushing Seth Rollins to kind of uh, become that baby face. Finally, um, I, I don't think that the I don't think that the the turn is very good so far. But uh, it seems like they are making him that baby face. He saves Roman Reigns as well. Uh, Dean Ambrose still. Uh, has that uh, baby face role kind of, you know, but he, so all of them are kind of, <laughs> it's funny because all three of them does, aren't really clear cut baby faces. Uh, Ambrose gets, still gets a decent reaction. He's, he's gotten booed uh, recently. Um, and then of course, Rollins still is migrating from a heel. And of course, you know, Reigns is a a baby face in theory, uh, but not according to the WWE universe. Uh, so, so, so putting them all together would be interesting. But do you think it's too soon? Uh, I think it's too soon, unless they wanted to do something as like a one-off thing on the Survivor Series, united against a common enemy, or just like an interbrand kind of thing. But yeah, everybody's all over the place right now. It doesn't really make sense. Rollins, they should have pulled the trigger when he first came back and got that monster pop. That's when yes. he should have turned face. Uh, Ambrose, the last couple of weeks, has been getting a little bit of a heel reaction for some of his stuff, so that's surprising. And Reigns, the uh, you know, majority of the fans just hate right now, so yeah. I don't know who it would really benefit to put them back together at this point. I agree. I think... I mean, Survivor Series is, is traditional. It's one of the, I mean, it's the second longest pay-per-view in WWE history. Uh, so there's a rich tradition there. This will be the 29th year, the 30th quote-unquote anniversary. So it's the 30th Survivor Series with the 29th year. So Survivor Series 30, I could see them them doing that for the sake of pushing the 30th, you know, an, uh, anniversary, so to speak, of Survivor Series but if it's a one-off thing, I, w- I don't think I'd be too um, critical of it. Uh, and then, you know, do it in Survivor Series and don't, don't do it again until, you know, 
a long time after that. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So for the sake of it being a one-off thing, I wouldn't be too critical of it. For the sake of branding Survivor Series as the 30th anniversary, and maybe uh, you know Triple H has a couple goons with them, you know. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> shield, you know. So I think I think it makes sense. I actually wasn't a. Uh, I actually was okay with the Shield versus Evolution, uh, and, I, and I was uh, uh, even more okay with the fact that Evolution put the Shield over twice. Uh, that was yeah, actually yeah. very surprising for me, um, and I loved it because you know the, the Shield was hot, and you know it was kind of passing, the, kind of pass, passing the guard as far as a faction is per, uh, perspective is concerned. I was very happy that they uh, put them over uh, twice. Uh, so if, you know, Triple H had a couple people like Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho, you know, Triple H Owens and Jericho gets the shield at uh, Survivor Series elimination. I don't think it would be too bad. Yeah, oh, yeah, something like that I could definitely, I, I would get behind. Yeah, absolutely. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Roman SmackDown review. Let's go. So Raw gave us the go-home show uh, before Class of the Champions. And the go-home show, I'll tell you what, man, it must be because of the network. It has to be because of the network. The go-home shows are absolutely horrible nowadays. It just The, the, the build-up, the, the cliffhangers are just not there. But uh, the site that I write for, The Inquisitor, they actually reported uh, that um, – the reason why the cage match uh, happened was because they announced it in the beginning, so they tried to keep the viewers and not go, you know, and watch the Bears against the Eagles. And then they had the cage match to maintain the viewers at the end because usually the third hour, um, usually the third hour numbers dip uh, because of uh, Monday Night Football, and so. You know, it's one of those things like you, competitors exist, and usually it becomes real tough to to book around Monday Night Football season in, in the fall. And you know, I understand why they made a cage match, but what happened to the the tradition of the, a cage match being, you know, the climax of of a feud that just couldn't you know, end or, or it was so contentious that it had to be settled inside of steel cage. You know, why throw it away for the sake of, uh, you know, Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns, which is a fresh match, a fresh feud. They really haven't had too much interaction with each other. But, you know, what are your thoughts on that as, as well as uh, Raw in, in, in general this week? To me, I, I think I I might I think I'm in the minority, but I think SmackDown has been a lot more entertaining than Raw, with the exception with of just a few parts. Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of what they're doing with SmackDown. Mm-hmm. 
you know, they're, they're, they have that case right now, like the, like how WCW was back in the day when they were just throwing out main events and just re rehashing things, like you said with the, the cage match, just to keep the viewers. And, you know, his second or third week as the Universal Champion, he's jobbing to Roman already and a guy who's mm-hmm. fighting for the U.S. title. Uh, I didn't completely get that. I always hate that when they do that or, like, when the tag champs get beat by, a, you know, the two baby faces who are feuding for a time. I hate when they go to that that old well, but mm. you know what can you do about? That? <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I don't like the, the 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 champion losing in a non-title match. I think that's ridiculous. I, I just I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm I, I'm an old school fan. I mean, I, I've I've touted I've said this many many times, and I'll say it many many more. I am an old school fan wrestling. Uh, when I think of wrestling, I think of the baby faces getting the heat, getting a bunch of heat. The better, the more heat they got, the bigger the baby face is going to be at the end of the uh, at the end of the feud. And that's yeah. just, and that's how it is. And losing matches and uh, and getting emasculated and all this crap. That's not going to build steam as a heel. It's just not. And losing non-title matches. How is that ultimately going to help the, the the feud at the end? It just it makes absolutely no sense to me. I'm I'm in Roman. Talk talk about being in the minor, minority. I'm certainly in the minority because I'm a Roman Reigns apologist. I, I'm a fan of Roman Reigns. I have been. I I, I will. Uh, I think that there's. I think that the people. I think that the the complaints and the criticisms uh, about Roman Reigns are just ridiculous to me. Uh, but it's just, I don't even think he, I don't think he should have defeated Kevin Owens. It, it made absolutely no sense to push someone. And here's the thing, Kevin Owens still needs some work. And I, and I like Kevin Owens as a talent. I follow him in ROH. I think he did very well. Uh, he's an amazing wrestler. Um, I appreciate him in the ring, but I think his character in the WWE needs work. And I, and I think that, you know, People make championships. Championships don't make people. And I think that when your character is so over that it, it requires having a championship and it makes it elevates the state the status of the championship, that's where I think success lies. And with Kevin Owens, unfortunately, and it's no fault of his own, I don't think that the WWE is booking him strong enough to have that star factor to be champion, unfortunately. And things like this, losing against Roman Reigns uh, at a a go-home show in a cage match when you're defending your title in the main event against Seth Rollins, I really don't understand the logic in that. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, we could see, you know, Kevin Owens was obviously not the original plan. It was supposed to be Finn Balor in this spot right yeah. now. So, uh, yeah, Owens was not in a position. Well, why not to give it to Jericho champ. though? Why not give it to? I mean, Jericho's so over. He is the. He is one. He's probably the best pure heel on Raw, and really all of WWE. He he has that star power to have enough heat as a heel to make a babyface look good. Why not give it to someone like Jericho? While I, while I think, you know, guys like me and you would appreciate that they were going that whole time while the brand was splitting for the uh, the new era. So I think mm-hmm. putting it on a guy like Roman and Jericho 
it would have felt like a setback. And while they were pushing, they're pushing AJ and uh, Dean on yeah. SmackDown. You're going to go back to the uh, you know old well. So they figured he okay okay uh, we're in a spot now. Finn's out. Uh, you know the Solon's guy is over with the crowd. Let's let's try and see what can happen with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, can so I think they were going for the because nobody expected that. I was in shock. Yeah, yeah, but they they didn't capitalize on it though. Triple H didn't no. come back. You know, so yeah, like, that, that made no sense either. Yeah, I mean, not at all. I mean, just how okay. So the very fact that you made Kevin <laughs> Owens champion, he what? I don't think he was strong enough to be champion, but they could have done that. He could have been an authority person, a new face, whatever you want to do to make his character strong. But they haven't made his. I mean, he's not changed a lick. You know, since before he was champion. So, I mean, I, I don't, again, I don't understand. If you're really trying to elevate this universal championship, why not have it to someone who has the star power, has enough heat? I do not like people who has championships, who has definitive split chance that aren't strong. You know what I mean? Like someone like Cena, he has very, very strong split chance. So he's way yeah. over. You know what I mean? Someone like Roman Reigns, he has very, very strong split chance. But when you have pockets of people booing and pockets of people uh, cheering and then pockets of people going to, you know, get a hot dog, that's not really, that's not over to me. You know what I mean? And yeah. Kevin Owens, and the Kevin Owens, as a, again, as a wrestler, he is exceptional. But I don't think, and again, it's no fault of his own, but I think that the WWE is lacking tremendously in making him the star that he could be. I mean, his, his, he has the character, he has the nuances, he has the mic work, but the WWE is, having a, is doing a very bad job putting them all together to make his character strong. And I think that, I, I honestly think this, I think if they would have put the title on Jericho, and they would have continued the best friend thing. And if they would, I mean, Kevin Owens is getting cheered. So if they wanted to migrate Kevin Owens as a babyface, I think that he could have been a stronger babyface than Seth Rollins is feuding against Jericho, who already has a bunch of heat and is a really, really good heel and really could benefit getting the uh, giving Owens the rub as a babyface. One of the things I think they really should have done, which hasn't been done yet, which I'm, I'm, it just baffles me. Uh, Triple H, I, and I'm not a big Triple H supporter on screen, but Triple H should be back on television supporting Owens, and I would like to see what's going on between him, Stephanie, and Foley. There's a whole, exactly. you know, storyline that could help elevate Owens right there, and it's they're not doing anything with that, which is mind-numbing to me. Yeah, it sure is. It, it very much is. And like you said, I mean, you know, uh, it, it, it's something that they've really dropped the ball on, and 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 they have to, and they have to elevate Owens. I mean, this is something that they, they, it's just a must. They have to do to really make the the status of the Universal Championship, uh, you know, good and appreciated. So, as far as SmackDown, um, go home show. Ambrose defeats Cena clean. That was, you know, and I, I haven't been the Cena guy. I've been a Cena fan at all. <laughs> um, and I was a Cena antagonist for quite some time during his career, most of his career, but now I'm just 
kind of indifferent towards Cena. I'm not a Cena. I'm not a big Cena antagonist anymore, but he earned some stripes uh, from me today. I'm not a big Ambrose guy. I don't think Ambrose is money from, from his appearance. I don't think he's a draw to me. Just looking at him, um, I I like Ambrose as a as a potential talent. I follow him when he was John Moxley. He he's been a lot. He's been he's been bridled a lot more in WWE, unfortunately. Um, but just again, it goes to just creative. Someone with a, 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 a tank top and, and jeans as as the champion to me doesn't exude star to me, unfortunately. <laughs> and, you know, and it, again, that's coming from an old school mind. And but but here's the thing: I do appreciate the fact that John Cena put him over clean today. Uh, that that was a really really good decision, and, and I appreciate Cena doing that. And I think that elevated him as a. I, I think it elevated him in his role in the triple threat match because as we've seen with Dean Ambrose, he's been kind of thrown into this feud and that feud and it hasn't really done much for him at the end of it. But I think that beating Cena makes him have a, a, a spot in the triple threat match more than it did if, if he would have lost. Uh, I, I agree. I, I, I've been a huge Ambrose supporter, and I think his reign as champion sadly fell flat, especially with the brand split. Um, yeah, so the, his win again over Cena, I, I was shocked to watch it a little while ago, and I was very happy about that. So it definitely gives him a little bit more of an edge and keeps him now still as a little bit of a tweener now, and you know which side he's going to go with. Styles mm-hmm. is being you know a great, a, a great just arrogant heel now that he's beaten Cena. And he's the champion now. So uh, yeah, and Cena now, you know, he he uh, Cena, you know, lost clean to Styles, and he lost clean to Ambrose now. So hopefully now he's moving into that role where he doesn't need to win every single, you know, Tuesday night in every pay per view. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, and I've seen that. I mean, putting uh, Styles over twice, you know, and I think that uh, I me mean, put over he, he put Owens over too. You know, let him beat him clean. So. I, and and I and I appreciate that, you know. Like I said, there's there's many people criticize criticize Cena. I've interviewed many people on my show that criticize Cena. <laughs> I see, I understand where the criticism comes from, uh, but at the same time, I, I do appreciate the fact that he is putting people over at this time. All right, ladies and gentlemen, flavor of the week time. Here we go. It is now time for the Flavor of the Week! And this week's Flavor of the Week is the uh, five wrestlers who both AJ and I think would do well in WWE. So who's your number five? Uh, I am going to go with Gail Kim. Okay. I, I think, uh, you know, I... Uh, I think right now in the women's division, I think she'd fit in perfectly. I see like the resurgence a little bit of Natalia, so I think Gail Kim would be a great addition to work with some of these newer girls because she, as we've been talking about earlier, a lot of there's just been a lack of direction in TNA, not the fault of a lot of the talents, mm-hmm. and she still has a lot to go in her. So I think she'd do well with girls like Charlotte and uh, Sasha Banks, Bailey. Yeah, uh, I can I can, I can definitely see that. I chose five who has not ever made a name 
uh, for themselves in, in in WWE. But I do like that choice of Gail Kim. I do think that she'd benefit a lot more in WWE's women's division now than TNA. Uh, number five, I'll put uh, Trevor Lee. Uh, I I think that uh, he'd be a really, really good talent in the cruiserweight division. Um, I think with the whole Helms dynasty, it's kind of helping him a bit. Um, yeah, you know, but it's but it's one of those things that him as a talent is really, really good, and I think that his heel persona is. I mean, it could be worked on. But the fact that the, he's with Helms is working, but he can get the rub and the coaching from Helms to to, to do very well because Helms did very well in the cruiserweight division. So, I think if if Trevor Lee went to to uh, the, the the Raw cruiserweight division, I think he'd be a good hand. What's your number four? Uh, number four, I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna keep along with the women and go with uh, Sienna. Okay. Uh, I, yeah. I, I think uh, Sienna, yeah, I think she was very good on the independent scene as uh, Allison K. She has a lot of charisma, uh, and I think she'd be good too on the uh, SmackDown side actually to work with some of the girls over there and get television seasoning and just be uh, one of the badass uh, heels over there. Now here's my question: the, uh, Does she team up with Nia Jax and they just dominate the whole women's division? <laughs> <laughs> on, uh, no, I would keep Naya on Raw and keep her on SmackDown. Yeah, so she'd be the person eating up the jobbers on SmackDown then. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. All right, my number four is Braxton Sutter. Um, Pepper Parks, uh, I think that's uh, you know, Parks, he's a yeah. good indie talent. Yeah, he's a good indie talent. Um, oh, yeah. And and I think that uh, I don't think TNA is doing him well at all, unfortunately. Um, especially with this grand championship crap. I just, oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, you know, I, I just, I don't, I watched it, and I watched this match with Drew Galloway, and I, the crowd was just so bored to death with it. And just the, the three minutes, and I just, uh, it, it's tough for me. But, you know, on, the, on a good note, his match with James Storm was pretty good. I think James, James Storm did a pretty good job making him look good. And his X Division Championship, uh, his his X Division matches have been pretty good, but he hasn't really had an opportunity to really define himself in TNA. And I think that he is a really good talent that is being just misused tremendously right now. And I think I think WWE would be able to. I think WWE would be a fresh air for a talent like his. Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. He's very charismatic. I've had I've worked with him once or twice, and. Yeah, I, I love his gimmick. I love watching him come out. He's just very naturally charismatic, and what they have him in doing TNA is just not him. So it's yeah, it's exactly. a little, yeah, it's a little, uh, it's saddening to watch a little bit. But you know, he's 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 getting time on TV, and he's he's working working with what he can. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> you know, that's all you can. I mean, like you said, a TV, and that's what you were handed. So you gotta you gotta work with it. What's your yeah. number three? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, EC3, Ethan Carter III, former Dark Bateman. Uh, mm-hmm. He's one of the guys I think they dropped the ball on, and he wanted a few, I guess we could call him a TNA homegrown talent that has just excelled with that, that gimmick. And uh, I think now with, with him actually maturing and learning how to work in front of the camera and getting the chance to flesh out that character, he'd be mm-hmm. he'd be a great addition to the WWE roster. I agree. I think he'd, I think he'd be fantastic. Number three for me was the Wolves. Similar to what we talked about before, um, they had the opportunity in NXT. 
I forgot what the, I think they were called like the pit bulls or something like that. Um, during the the dark matches that they were in, and you know, uh, the only the only thing that I wouldn't like to see was or them take away, you know, their wolves. I think the wolves just brand them so much. They were the American wolves in, in ROH, and now, you know, they're the wolves, so it's not much of a change. So I think that that really helped them uh, keeping that wolves brand and TNA. And then, you know, I've interviewed David Richards, and, 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 and uh, I'd like to interview Eddie Edwards here. So both of them are just fantastic talent. I've always been – I mean, David Richards is, is great. I've always been a fan of Eddie Edwards, though, as far as his talent. Uh, I follow both of them in, in ROH. I think uh, both of them were just fantastic as a team. Um, but I think Eddie Edwards was really good. I really enjoyed his work as a singles competitor as well. So I think them together um, would be a better choice as the Wolves. But if someone, if Eddie Edwards came to NXT, um, Sapper, I think he did well. I think he did a good job too. Yeah, I I resisted from putting some of the cruiserweights on the list until I could actually see what the plan to do with um, <laughs> the cruiserweights. Yeah. It's you know on on the network it's great, but like, like Triple H said on the Stone Cold podcast, you know the network stuff is made for the diehards, but once you get to USA Network, it's a whole different beast. So I'm going to wait about a month to see what they actually do with the cruiserweights, and if they let them continue going like they did on Monday, then I'll be all for it and let more guys come in. But yeah, uh, I agree. I, I, and to be honest with you, I think it kind of fell flat on Monday. I guess maybe because I was expecting, I, I was maybe my expectations were so high. The match wasn't bad at all, but it kind of was underwhelming for me. Sadly, I think it was more the crowd. I think because Tapper yeah. didn't know who these guys were. Because I, I the match true. was fun. I, I enjoyed the match immensely. I thought yeah. it was it was just you know a you know a good old that it was almost like an Andy car wreck. I was yeah. like, I'm like wow, I'm like this is kind of like surreal watching this on Raw. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's a good point. I think it may have been the Memphis crowd that wasn't too. Uh, astute of of who they were. So yeah, I think that makes sense. Who you got for number two? Uh, I gotta go with the broken one, Matt Hardy. I think he's reinvented himself tremendously. I knew you'd come. Uh, I knew you'd come, <laughs> brother Chris. I knew you'd come. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's uh, you know honestly, I think that's the most watchable part of TNA right now. Sadly, those vignettes that they do. Uh, the final deletion and then deleted decay. It's been amazing television. Whether you you love it, you hate it, you think it's absurd, people are watching and talking about it. I think it's tremendous television. Yeah. And you can't think of Matt Hardy without thinking about this. Delete! Delete! <laughs> Delete! 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 <laughs> <laughs> and I did hear obsolete chants on Raw, by the way. Yes, I did. It's just, it's amazing how that's getting over right now. <laughs> yes, obsolete, obsolete. Yeah, I think I, I think it's hilarious. I think it's awesome. You know, you have that, like, you know doing that angle. You 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 got the gardener over. I mean, come on, Senior Benjamin, yeah, the exactly. household name right now. <laughs> Exactly, and Senior Benjamin is is over. Is more over than a bunch of uh, WWE talent right now. Exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> um, my number two would be Eli Drake. 
Um, I think that he's another one that's just so his his character to me is so amazing. It's money, uh, you know, just this just the fact that he says Eli Drake like he does. Dummy, dummy, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that that's amazing too. I, I, yeah, I just, I, 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 I'm mad I forgot about him. <laughs> yeah, he's just absolutely amazing. I, I interviewed him on my show. Um, about a little over a year ago, um, the summer of last year, and he wasn't as near as popular as he is now. And man, as far as TNA is concerned, he, he was very popular in uh, championship uh, wrestling from Hollywood. Uh, but yeah, I, just as far as TNA, he wasn't as popular as he is now. And man, he, he is money, money, money. So I, I definitely would pick him. Who's your number one? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Drew Galloway. I think he, uh, you know, due to politics, he didn't get to reach his full potential in his first go-around with WWE. Uh, And after being released, though, you know, he's had an amazing run on the ball, and he's went uh, back over to to, uh, Ireland and the U.K. and, you know, done some stuff with uh, Insane Championship Wrestling. He's just Mm -hmm. uh, perfected his craft. He's an amazing, intense character. I think coming back now, I think he'd be a great... Uh, person be a top heel right now for WWE is uh, you know Drew McIntyre if they want to bring him back as that he'd be fantastic. Yeah, and I'm liking the heel um, with the exception of that Grand Championship match. <laughs> yeah, I, I, like I, I get what they're trying to do with that, but it's ridiculous. If it was live, yeah. maybe it'd get over a little bit more, but. Eh. <laughs> uh, yeah, just three rounds. And, I mean, what the didn't the AWF or someone try to do like I think it was the eight the American Wrestling Federation that tried to do that with the rounds. They tried doing that, yeah. And I think they're even yeah. just, you know it's it, it's it's trying it's you know trying to be like you know the brawl brawl and the, and an MMA yeah. kind of style, but it's falling flat. Yeah, yeah, because it's it's because it's not MMA. That's the thing. It's no, just, yeah, <laughs> you can't fake MMA. You know, and not watching exactly. MMA. You can't, you can't fake MMA, and it's and it's no, no. to get over. You know, that's that's yeah, it's it's kind of embarrassing. But uh, my We're number one choice. Try to do it, <laughs> uh, and, and it fell flat, and it's been embarrassing for the past twenty years. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like, oh, that was one of the worst creations in WWE. History. Yeah, and it seemed okay initially, but I mean, especially since we know now that they know Steve Williams is supposed to win, but he, you know, got knocked out, and uh, you know, and then you know, uh, Bart Gunn ended up surprisingly be being the winner, but he was fed the butter bean, you know, just you know, for the sake of pride and. Yeah. 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 It was just it, it was just a very bad concept. All right. For the second yeah. time, my number one is uh, my number one's Moose. Uh, I think the Moose will do very well. Uh, there were some reports that he was supposed to come as a plant uh, on Tough Enough, uh, but yeah, I think he did well. WWE was interested in him, uh, but I think uh, from the reports that the, the domestic issue that he had years back, uh, kind of they they pulled back on him, but uh, yeah, I think he'd do very well. I think Moose is a very, I mean, just the whole Moose chant is over, you know, so I think, it'd do, I think that would do really well. All right, so we got about 60 seconds left. Let's get to, uh, to Class of Champions uh, predictions real quick. Uh, what do you have, TJ Perkins or Brian Kendrick? Uh, I'm going to go with Brian Kendrick, actually. I'm a big fan of Kendrick, oh. and I think he's going to pull off. Okay, interesting. Um, 
Yeah, I, can't, uh, I think they'll. I think they'll stay with Perkins. They didn't show him. Uh, Cesaro, Sheamus. Uh, gun to my head, I'm gonna go with Cesaro. I think it's his time now. Finally, hopefully they pull the trigger on him. The Swiss Superman uh, finally moves up the card a bit. I agree, Cesaro. Rusev or Reigns? Uh, I'm gonna go with Rusev. I don't think they're gonna stick that title on Reigns. I think maybe just you know keep Rusev in that spot and feed somebody else to him for a little bit because they like I they seem to like him. Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, I think, I think, uh, I think Reigns will win it. All right, real quick, Sami Zayn or Jericho? S- Jericho. I'm gonna I go Zayn. Sammy got the win. Uh, Sam, Sammy won over Owen, so I see Jericho, yeah. you know, getting one over on him right now and keeping the feud going for a little bit. Right. Yeah, I see that. All right, yeah, Jericho. All right, uh, who wins, uh, Charlotte or ba- uh, Becky Lynch, or well, Charlotte Banks or Bailey? Uh, I'm gonna say Charlotte retains. Yeah, Charlotte retains. Uh, New Day or Gallows and Anderson? Uh, I w- I want to go with New Day. I think they're still pretty hot right now. Yeah, I agree too. New Day. Um, Gallows and Anderson has been a bit underwhelming. Um, yeah. Uh, Alicia Fox or Nia Jax? Nia Jax. I love Alicia and I love the gimmick. She, and she does that crazy so well, but yeah, they, they, they it, it may, it would make no sense for Nia not to go over. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and then finally, Kevin Owens or Seth Rollins for the universal championship. Gotta go with Owens. I, they got, they got to, they got to keep it on him for a little while now and finally build him up. But I'm happy for him. Great spot for him. If they can, if they do something right, you know, they'll just continue to build his character and let him be Kevin Owens. I agree. Kevin Owens. All right, we got 20 seconds left. Anything else uh, that you want to plug, AJ? Want to remind everyone for this Saturday? This Saturday, ECWA, uh, 741 Helen Avenue, Woodbury Heights, New Jersey. Uh, also, October the 15th, I'll be at Fiesta Pro Wrestling in Deer Park, New York. It's a great party-style wrestling event. And Five Burrows Wrestling on October the 23rd uh, in uh, Brooklyn, New York. Awesome. All, out. all right, AJ, it's been a pleasure. Thanks a lot for coming on the show. Oh, thank you for having me. Look forward, you know, if you ever need me again, let me know. I'd love to be a guest again. <laughs> all right, we'll do. Thanks a lot. Have a good night. You as well. Thank you, Chris. Okay. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that'll wrap up 234. Until next week, enjoy your week of wrestling. God bless. Enjoy Class of Champions. We'll be back next week. Goodbye.